I'm really, really pleased to uh, hand over to my colleague Mike Sharples, who will be talking to us about location-aware applications. Thanks, hey, Mike. Thank you. Um, so, my name's Mike Sharples. I'm fairly new here at the Open University. I arrived last October, at least I arrived back. I was here in the early 1980s. So, a lot of the things I'm going to say were about previous work that's been done previous to the Open University. But, all of it should, I hope, be relevant, particularly um, around developing mobile apps and location-aware applications, both for research and for teaching. So, uh, also my thanks to Liz Fitzgerald, um, who, if you've been outside on the location-aware apps store, then she's been staffing that. So this is what I'm going to talk about, two aspects. One is learning in locations, so how you can enable people to get appropriate information that's situated in particular locations, location-based guides, location-based information, location-aware games, and secondly, learning about locations. So, for example, students on field trips, how they can gain a greater understanding of the landscape or their surroundings. So, to start with, something that you'll probably all be familiar with, QR codes. So that's one way of providing information in a situation, in a location. So that's an example there in the London Zoo, um, and another one in the Derby Museum. So there are opportunities, for example, to provide open university location-aware materials in um, areas around the country, uh, and in collaboration, for example, with museums or cultural heritage sites. They're, they're cropping up all over the place, rather like a rash of measles. If you look around um, many locations now, you'll see QR codes. In fact, last night, um, here in the um, Jenny Lee building, just around the corner, I saw that beside um, the lift. It says, how to use a lift in an emergency and evacuation route. And I tried it last night. Um, so imagine, if you will, that you're in the... Jenny Lee building and buildings on fire and you go up to that and you get out your smartphone <laughs> you start up the phone with the flames licking around you you open up the QR droid application on your phone you point the screen at the QR code it then takes you to a URL button which you click which then takes you to a login page for the OU <laughs> website to which you then have to type in your username and password, assuming that you are a member of the OU. If you're not, then you're stuck. And it gives you the message, this video does not work on your device. So, message there is that QR codes are very, all very well, but you have to think through the user experience. I think the silliest use of QR codes is for emergencies. So, if you're going to use QR codes, think firstly about usability, uh, and accessibility, who can access them and for what purposes, and make sure they're relevant. So to try and overcome some of those issues of you know, it taking a minute or so to access the QR code at best, we've developed, um, as part of a number of research projects, um, this one came out of the MobiLearn project, for which the OU was a partner. Um, it's a context-sensitive guide, so what you really want inside is to be able to know exactly where you are. Outside, you've got things like GPS. Inside, um, you haven't got GPS, so you want to know where the person is. So what we used was a system called ultrasonics, where you have a, uh, ultrasonic transmitters which send out high-frequency signals, which 
Dogs can hear, but you can't. Um, and ultrasonic receivers, you can see one there. Um, and it picks up um, either what you're closest to or through triangulation exactly where you are. So within about 10 centimetres. And so we use this um, there, picking up from those transmitters within a, a gallery, this was, um, and some software on the handheld device which knew which painting you were in front of how long you'd been there, so if you just walked past the painting, it just said, little audio message, um, this painting is by so-and-so. If you stood there a bit longer, it gave you a description. If you stood there longer, it drew you into the painting. Um, so it pointed out aspects of the painting that you might not see, and part of its aim was to enable discussion amongst groups of people who were looking at the painting. So that's a context-sensitive indoor guide. The technology is still very much at the cutting edge, that kind of ultrasonic technology. One that um, is also being demonstrated outside, you can go and have a look at it, is called Toponimo, and it's by a PhD student of mine, and it's concerned with location-aware language learning. So one of the aims in language learning is to give more personalised approaches to language learning, particularly about learning vocabulary. So vocabulary that's relevant to you. And what this does is that it uses a standard interface to Google Maps to tell you what locations are closest to you. So it will work anywhere. Um, it just pulls down from Google what are the closest locations to where you are. Then you click on a location. So this... PhD student was at Nottingham, so these are Nottingham locations near to Nottingham University. He clicked on Spire Cafe. And it then not only shows you the location of where you are, but it also shows you words associated with it. So imagine now you're a language learner, learning English as a second language. So these are words that um, might be associated with cafes. So they're general words that might be associated with cafes. Coffee, tea, soft drink... But also, you can then add your own words. So, for example, say you see in the cafe the word cheesecake, and you don't know what cheesecake is. So you go and add the word cheesecake. It will then automatically look at that word in an online dictionary and give you a definition of it. So if you then click on that definition, it shows you the definition of it. A sweet cake made with soft white cheese on a biscuit base. You can alter that definition if you want to. And also, you see pictures from other people who have also typed in the word cheesecake, and that they've taken photos, so you can see other cheesecakes in other location, and you can take a photo yourself of a cheesecake and share it. So it then becomes a social tool as well as a contextual tool. So that's the work that he's doing. You can rate the words for relevancy, and you can also then go back and look at the locations that you've been to here, um, and you can see the words at those different locations, so it connects into Google Map. So that's the aim of supporting vocabulary learning through location-aware applications. So that's what I... And those are some examples of learning in locations. And since um, this is pretty much a very quick Cook's tour through location-aware applications, that's all I'm going to say about those. But if you've got questions at the end, please ask. The second phase is about learning about locations. So, for instance, if you're a geology student, um, if you're studying, trying to understand tourism, if you're trying to understand cultural heritage, there may be a number of reasons why you want to know about locations, not just to learn in locations. 
Now, one that you've probably heard of is augmented reality. These are not yet real. These are concept demos. But you can get the idea. Um, you hold up a screen in front of a location, and it recognizes that location and tells you something about it. Or here, um, if you're inside a building, it tells you how to get to a particular meeting room. So, so those are still concept demos. These are where we are at the moment. So these are the two most well-known. They're available for a variety of different mobile phones. One's called Wikitude, and what that does is you point your mobile phone in a particular direction, maybe in a city, and it tells you things of interest in that direction. It gets them down off um, Wikipedia, and there are Wikipedia entries now that are location-sensitive, so it will tell you what things of interest from Wikipedia are in that general direction. Um, Layer is somewhat similar, but rather than Wikipedia, it has its own information source. So <coughs> looking down a street, for example, it will tell you what cafes or what restaurants or what shops are in that particular direction. And it works. Um, it's based on, because most mobile phones now, recent ones, have compasses built in and tilt sensors, then uh, it uses that plus your GPS position to tell you where you are and what's in that direction. So, and you can get them now for mobile phones, and they work. When you first try them, they seem like magic. Um, but what you really want to do is to say, what is it that I'm actually looking at? Not what's in my general direction. So, Google, bless them, have come up with an application for mobile phone called Google Goggles. And Google Goggles is just amazing. So what you do with Google Goggles is you point your phone at, say, a landmark, and it tells you what it is. So you point it at the Golden Gate Bridge, and it tells you what it is. It sends you to a Google page. And it does that by recognizing the visual image and comparing it with all the visual images that are stored on Google. Um, I tried it with um, a sugar bowl. So I've got a Port Marion sugar bowl in our house, I pointed the phone at that sugar bowl and it told me it was a Port Marion sugar bowl, which I thought was pretty good. You can point it at text and it will then read or translate that text for you, um, various other things. It doesn't work so well with faces yet, but it does work with well-known faces. I pointed it at a picture of Graham Greene, for instance, the author, and it told me that was the author Graham Greene. So it's pretty magical. And again, it's available for standard mobile phones. But what you really want to do is that. Say you're outside, um, blooming the hills, um, or students on a field trip, and you want to say, what am I looking at? And to that, you don't just want to know a particular landmark. You don't just want to know what's in the general direction. You want to know what you're actually looking at. And that's hard. Because if you think about it, what you've got to do is firstly, or, or alternatively, to say, this is what I'm looking at, and then make a note about it. Something that's remote from you. So it's easy enough to say, this is what I'm looking at standing here, but this is what I'm looking at in the distance, and then make a note of it. It's much harder. So to do that, you need firstly a 3D terrain map. You need to know what are the 3D contours. Then you need to know your height above the ground, you need to know the compass bearing and the tilt of the mobile phone. And you need to compute the intersection of that line of sight with the 
object that it's looking at, and you need to identify the salient feature and to report that. On all that, on a mobile phone. So that's hard. And I've got a PhD student who's done it. So that's the, the system there. It works on a standard mobile phone. You can point it not now at a particular um, famous landmark. You can point it at anywhere. And you can either write a note about what it's pointing at, or if somebody else has written a note about it, or associated some media with it, it will tell you what it is that your phone is pointing at. And you can just about see it, there's some green crosshairs in the centre. So it will capture or display media for distant landmarks. It uses a built-in 3D terrain model implemented on a mobile phone. It computes the line of sight uh, and gives you information. I'll show you a video of it actually working. <coughs> I took that photo last week on um, top of Cat Bells in the Lake District and also this video that I'm about to show you. So there it is. And I'll just it. So as you move it around, it turns green when it recognises something that's already been stored there. You click it and it gives you information about it. In this case, a bit of pre-stored video from a um, <coughs> Wainwright TV programme. So that's it. So that's the state of the art in location-aware apps. Um, we've been looking at other ones from the very simple, which is you just hold up a transparency in a particular location and it will show you the various features on it. So you could actually go up there and draw the transparency, but this has all been computed again from a 3D model, so it's been computed back in the lab. But if you stand in a particular location with this and you hold up that transparency, it will give you a visual overlay. So physically, it's very nice and simple. It's just a transparency. It's actually quite hard to generate. To the complex. And again, this is the state of the art. Imagine having your head inside a 3D IMAX cinema. That's what it's like. So it's high resolution, 3D, and it moves as you move your head. So it actually um, moves around. And what this one is, is it's showing the landscape 30,000 years ago. So again, Lake District, 30,000 years ago, there were glaciers there. And you stand on the top of mountainside and look down the valley, and you can see the valley as it was 30,000 years ago with the glaciers. And as you move your head around, it looks like the valley then. And I've actually worn it walking up the hill, and it's uncanny because you are walking up this hill, seeing the landscape, but as it was 30,000 years ago. It's not a good idea to walk up the hill with it on because <coughs> things like trees and sheep weren't there 30,000 years ago, never mind tourists. And I'll just finish with a picture, um, a video of it. So what you see at the right-hand side is a student looking around, and on the top left is what he's actually seeing. So he's seeing the landscape as it was 30,000 years ago in the glacial times, in the Ice Age. So that's it. That's location-aware applications. The main thing is they need to be easy to use, as we've seen with that QR code, for example. And for understanding about locations, 
it needs to be a heads-up experience. What you don't want is people walking around with a head buried in an application. It has to supplement to augment the location rather than to be just a heads-down accessing information. Thank you. Any questions? So for some of them, like Layar, the information is stored externally. So the current applications, like Layar, like Wikitude, the information is stored externally on Wikipedia or on the Layar database. And so you need 3G or you need Wi-Fi um, to be able to access that information. So the application works on your phone, but to get the information, it's streamed from an external website. The one that I showed you there... Because it's meant for tourists in, say, the Lake District, where 3G and Wi-Fi is pretty non-existent, then it's all stored locally on the mobile phone. <coughs> and mobile phones now have pretty big memories. You know, they can have uh, 5, 10 gigabytes or more of memory. And so you can store videos, and you can store this complete terrain map on the mobile phone itself. So it all depends um, how, at the moment, the more state-of-the-art research ones tend to be stored on the device itself, the more public ones and the more generic ones, you tend to have to access the information externally. And for Tommy's one that I showed you about the language learning, that's stored externally because it's, it pulls down from Google what are the nearest locations. Yeah. Yeah. I've got a question coming from um, stadium from people outside of the room. So its um, question is, how safe is it to allow GPS detection of your location for example, Apple iPhone and some apps, who owns the data and, who do, they, and do they share it with others? That's, that's a very good question. Um, and the short answer is, um, I don't know because things are changing. Um, so Google's policy, <coughs> Apple's policy are changing. I know that Google are um, setting up a, a new privacy policy at the moment. Um, where it's moving to, I think, is towards opt-in. What tended to happen was that companies um, played fairly fast and loose with your data, and the, you know, they assumed if you had the application, then they had a right to use your data, um, either for their own internal purposes or perhaps for, for sharing to selected providers. Now, companies, partly as a result of negative publicity, are moving towards um, a, an opt-in. So you have to explicitly say that you want your location to be tracked. Um, so there's uh, an application called Google Latitude, which is similar to the ones that I've talked about, where your location is continually being tracked. Um, now, that's both scary and enabling. It's scary because it's very big brotherish. Other people know exactly where you are. It's enabling because, for instance, your family can know where you are or your colleagues can know where you are. I switch it on in my mobile phone because I don't mind people knowing where I am. Um, and colleagues can then find out whether I'm at the OU, um, whether I'm working at home, whether I'm out on the field. So I use Google Latitude because I don't mind people knowing my location. But you have to be very careful with the applications that you choose as to whether you then decide to um, 
make your location available and for what purposes. Any more questions, Mike? Well, thank you very much for those, both in the room and uh, online. Thank you very much for Mike. If you can show our appreciation one more time, please. We have one more presentation today in about eight minutes' time, which is on Social Learn, which is uh, effectively a social layer tuned for learning, which we're experimenting with at the OU.